Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. To begin uh, this part of the service like we do on many occasions, I'd like for all the men of the church who will join me to come forward, we'll bow here at the altar before the Lord. Tim Carey, I'd like for you to come all the way to the rostrum and lead us in this prayer. Just find your place here and let's get on our faces before the Lord. There's something about men. Don't stop right in the aisles. Kind of spread out a little bit so everybody can get up here. Something about men bowing down before the Lord. That's very special uh, for all of us. But I believe a church becomes strong when men are willing to humble themselves and get before the Lord. And seek the face of the Lord and pray over their church. Pray over their family. Pray over their nation. And, and to pray over the words of God that will be spoken. Tim, lead us. Hang on, let's get a mic. Let's get a mic that works. Here we go. Here we go. All right, here we go. So, God, you are incredibly faithful. That's right. Thank you, Lord. That Lord, at this very moment, I am just struck by your faithfulness. Lord, and how you have shined on this county, how you have shined on this place, how you have blessed this place with your presence, that God, that you truly do fill this, fill this space. And Lord, we, we right now, we, we humble ourselves before you. That's right. There's a lot of things that call for our attention. But right now, as just a, as a physical demonstration we want to say that we bow that's to right. only one person, and Hallelujah. that's you, God. That we bow to you. Yes, Lord. That this is our worship, that we worship you that's right. above all else. Hallelujah. And so, God, we acknowledge that you still speak, that you still talk, and that you want to <clears throat> talk to us today. And that, God, I pray that you will take this word, and that, Lord, that it will sink deep into our hearts. That, um, the Lord, that you'd let us hear. Mm. God, we love you. Yes, Lord. And we pray that you will bless this time. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. You may go back to your seats. I think I just heard somebody say, getting down is easy, getting up is another story. (laughs) Please open your Bibles to James chapter 3 as we continue our study in the book of James. James chapter 3, we'll begin reading here in just a moment in verse 13. James chapter 3. 
as you're turning, I want to tell you a little story I, I read this past week. There was a young pastor who had taken a, a, his first church, and he really wanted to get his congregation behind him. And he wanted to make a, make a strong statement. And so with all the enthusiasm he had, he stood in the pulpit, and he said to the church, he said, church, he said, I stand before you as your new pastor, and I'm here to tell you, that it's time for the church to rise up and walk. And somebody shouted out in the congregation, let her walk, preacher. Let her walk. And he, that motivated him, so he took another step, and he said, not only that, it's time for the church to start running. And he paused for a moment, and somebody said, let her run, preacher, let her run. Man, he was so excited. He said, he said, I'm telling you, it's not enough just to walk and run. He said, it's time for this church to start flying. And about three people at the same time said, let her fly, preacher, let her fly. And then he said, if this church is going to fly, we need some money. And somebody said, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. I immediately thought of River of Life when I read that story, not the way you might think. This is absolutely an amazing church. I've never been in a church with so many tithers. I've never been in a church with so many givers. So many people who knew what the Word said and they obeyed it and they were faithful in their giving. And because that is the case in this church, listen to this, I know you'll want to rejoice with me, but this church is 100% debt-free. We don't owe anybody anything. And, and, and I think of that scripture where the Bible says, owe no man anything but to love one another. You see, when you don't owe the world, you can obey the Lord. And because there's so many faithful givers in this church and tithers who do exactly what God's word says, we can give generously to missions. Uh, we can help those who are in need. And we can step out on faith and obey the Holy Spirit without uh, uh, a second thought. Because we know when God guides, He provides. And, and that's what's happening in this church. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And I believe that's from the Lord. Thank you. And God bless you for your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Now, as we have found out as we, go, as we have been going through this book of James... This is an extremely practical book. And, but it's more than just practical. We found out that this is a book that's in your face. It really is. In fact, uh, it's borderline abrasive. For instance, James doesn't say if you have faith without works, your faith is deficient. James says if you have faith without works, your faith is dead faith. It's dead faith. He says, if you don't bridle and control your tongue, you're deceiving your own heart. And listen to this. Your religion is worthless. James says, if you're double-minded when it comes to your faith in God, you are unstable in all of your ways. That means every area of your life. And then he says, if you discriminate and show partiality and favoritism, you have become judges with evil thoughts. Now, those are strong words, aren't they? We shouldn't just pass over them. Dead faith, worthless religion, unstable in all your ways, full of evil thoughts. Wow. 
And that, that's strong. It's as if James is touching on the subjects that can destroy faith, can destroy the church. And he's saying, you have to get these things right. These are priority subjects. These are things of utmost importance. And, and James does not mince words, does he? And he doesn't care if we're a little bit offended. I can tell you he was not politically correct when he was saying these things. One preacher summarized the book of James as 32 punches to the gut. I understand why he would say that. This is strong language. He, he went on to say that the book of James is, is both disruptive and demanding. And he's right. If you read and study and obey the book of James, it will disrupt your life as you know it right now. And it will demand a lifestyle change that will bring great honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. It will cause you to start doing things like counting it all joy when you're right in the middle of a difficult time in your life. I mean, you're going through hardship. And, and you'll just start counting it joy. You've read the Word. You know what it says. You're obeying the Word. You start rejoicing even when you're in the deepest valley. Uh, when you start obeying the book of James, you'll do things like ask God for wisdom all the time about just about everything. Because you know God wants to lead you and bless you and guide you. Uh, you'll start boasting in the Lord. You'll start bragging on God. You'll start testifying the goodness of God and what He's done in your life. And by the way, listen to me. You'll not only do that when you're on the mountaintop, you'll do that when you're in the valley. You'll do it at the best times and the worst times in your life. And you'll also stop losing your temper because you'll understand that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And you know that when you get angry, it's counterproductive. It's not what God wants. And not only that, you'll start doing God's Word. You won't just be a hearer of the Word. You'll come to services like this. You'll go to Bible study classes. You'll get along with God with your Bible open and you'll read something. And you won't just be a hearer of the Word. You'll be a doer of the Word. You'll start actually doing it. And we also found out that you'll stop showing favoritism and partiality, understanding that God is no respecter of persons. And that God loved all of us. And he loves that person over there and over there. That person who's in the church and out of the church just as much as he loves you and me. You see, we talked about this. You, you remember? I asked you, how many of you believe that God loved you while you were yet in your sins? And everybody in the house, we raised our hands. You remember? Well, friends, I want to tell you, if God loved you while you were still in your sins, he loves those in the world who are still in their sins. And we don't need to discriminate or show partiality. We need to lavish them with the rich and wonderful and miraculous love of God. I mean, share the love of God with them. We'll stop trusting in dead faith. Faith that accomplishes nothing, does nothing, helps no one, brings no glory to God, is a counterfeit faith. It's deceptive faith. It's dead faith. It won't save you and it won't help anybody else. Not only that, we'll start bridling the tongue. Because we know according to the Word of God, that an unbridled tongue is dangerous. It's like a poison. It sets on fire the course of nature. 
An unbridled tongue will destroy your friends. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your church. It'll destroy your job. Uh, An unbridled tongue will mess everything up. God says that you can't tame your tongue, so you have to bridle your tongue, you remember? I'm, I'm I'm just saying that it will radically change your life when you take this book of James and you start doing exactly what James tells us to do. And that brings us to our topic today. You'll walk in heavenly wisdom. Not the wisdom of this world, but heavenly wisdom. Let's read our text. James 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying, envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first purer than peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow. This text is calling for all of us, each and every one of us. It's calling for us to walk in the wisdom of heaven, not the wisdom of the world. It's calling for us to be faithful to the teachings of God's word and obey what God tells us to do. We are to be walking in heavenly wisdom. Not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of heaven. Our lives are to be governed not by the way the world thinks, but by the way God thinks. And and what James is doing is he's telling us that we have two different types of wisdom. Two totally different sources for wisdom. He says one is from below... And he says that wisdom is earthly, that wisdom is sensual, that wisdom is demonic. That's the wisdom of the world. But he says on the other hand, there's wisdom that comes from above. And that wisdom is pure. That wisdom is peaceable. That wisdom is gentle. That wisdom is willing to yield. It is full of mercy and good fruits. It is without uh, partiality and without hypocrisy you see there's a difference between the two wisdoms and by the way James is not the only biblical writer who talks about these two wisdoms first Corinthians 2 6 and 7 says however we speak wisdom among those who are mature yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. I love what I'm about to read to you. It's one of my favorite statements in the Bible. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Oh, child of God, listen to me this morning. Did you know that there is a hidden wisdom that the world knows nothing about? That the world cannot find? It cannot discover it. There is a hidden wisdom that the world cannot touch available only for those who walk with God. Those are the ones who can walk in this wisdom. 
And this wisdom is God's wisdom. It's the way God thinks. It's the way God feels. And, and notice, notice what it says in that text. It says, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for His glory. That's not what it says, is it? It says for our glory. Every now and then we get a little bit confused and we get to thinking, you know what, I can add to God's glory. You can't add or take away from God's glory. He's God. His glory doesn't diminish and it doesn't increase. What the Bible is saying is there is a hidden wisdom for those of us who walk with God. And if we walk in that wisdom which God ordained before the ages, then we will discover the glory that God meant for us to walk in. God wants to touch us with His glory. And this is why this is so exciting. And I, and I got to tell you, uh, James is trying to communicate with us. James is trying to tell us something. And, and I prayed over this for a long time, church, and I just want to just tell you, I don't know of any other way to say this. But I want to just stop right here and break this down and put it in everyday Wakala County language. This is what James is saying in this text. He was saying to the church, by the way, do you do remember that this book is written to the church? It's written to the 12 tribes of Israel that were dispersed about the land and the country because they were being persecuted because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over he calls them my brethren. This is written to the church. What James is saying in, in everyday language. This is what he's saying. He's saying if you walk in worldly wisdom... You will tear your church apart. If you walk in worldly wisdom, you'll do more damage than good in your church. If you walk in worldly wisdom, oh, friends, you will cause, I will cause, we will cause our church to completely fail, to miss the mark, to fail to accomplish the great things that God designed for us. If we walk in worldly wisdom, we mess everything up. It is disastrous when a church walks in worldly wisdom. Now, now by the way, if, if you just think for a moment that this is an overstatement, then let's listen to the words. Let's pull the very words out of the text. This is what, these are the words he uses. Bitterness, envy, self-seeking, confusion, and just in case he might leave something out, he says, and every evil thing. What James is saying is that when we walk in worldly wisdom, it introduces envy into the church. It, it introduces bitterness into the church and self-seeking and confusion. And, and almost anything that's evil can take place. Because we're operating on the wrong sense and the wrong foundation of wisdom. It has to be the wisdom of heaven. James is saying, this is what will happen in your church. If you're operating on the wrong wisdom, there will be bitterness, there will be envy, there will be self-seeking, there will be confusion. Your church will be full of evil things. We don't like to think about it, but friends, I can tell you, there are churches all over America today that are just full of evil. They're full of evil. I decided to do a search on the internet. I don't recommend this. But I decided to do a search. 
And I put the words in, church fight. Don't do it. Just take my word for it. First one I pulled up was from Memphis, Tennessee, Action News Channel 5. I actually listened to a recording of the news broadcast that went out before the whole city. Memphis, Tennessee. Church was in progress. Two women coming out of the choir loft brushed into each other on the rostrum up front and broke out in a fight. They started fighting. And you'd think that they would be separated. But you know what happened? The families represented by each of those, and I will not say ladies, those women, the families got involved. Before it was over with, they had to shut the whole worship service down. Now, by the way, this is being reported to the whole city. They had to shut the whole worship service down. They had to call the police in. Three people were injured. (laughs) Three people were injured. Charges were filed against about a half a dozen people. Which wisdom do you think they were operating on? You see, you see, this is not an exaggeration. Bitterness, envy, self-seeking. I want my way. I want what I want. The cause of Christ is not as important as what I want. Every evil thing. I watched one video. You know, nowadays everything's caught on tape. Somebody just held a phone up. In a church, up front. I mean, these were not... You know, these were not occasional church attenders who sit in the back. No offense. (laughs) I know some of you are sitting in the back because you couldn't find a place up here, but that's okay. Somebody held a phone up. Two old men. I watched it in a worship service. Broke out in a fight right up front, close to the altar. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. I started to show one of these video clips and I thought, no, I... I don't want the stain of that on our fellowship. I I watched another video during church. Had a center aisle in it. And a number of the women who were seated on this side. Somebody was capturing all of this. A number of the women who were seated on this side. And a number of the women who were seated on this side. Met in the center aisle. And they just had an all out girl fight. Right in church. My stars. I got two things to say about that. Shame on those women and shame on the men of that church. God have mercy upon the wimpy men in that church. (laughs) The wimpy, disgusting, cowardly men of that church. Hmm. Hey, uh, somebody was telling me, I think maybe in this church, you ought to fill me in with the details. Somebody was telling me that they were in a church where a fight broke out and they actually pulled out knives and had a knife fight in the church. I mean, really, my mind plays tricks on me sometimes. But I was just thinking, can you imagine being in the emergency room, the doctor sewing you up and he was saying, where in the world did you get in a knife fight on Sunday morning? Church. 
Heaven forbid. Goodness, when I hear these stories, it reminds me of that poem that you've heard me quote many, many times. Lord, I long to be with you in glory, but living with the saints here is another story. Wow. Now, it's important that you listen to what I'm about to say, friends. The overwhelming majority of church fights are not physical, but equally damaging. They damage the ministry of the church. They damage the mission of the church. They destroy the testimony of Christ. They do great damage. And what James is saying in this text as he compares these two wisdoms and tells us that one level of this wisdom is of the earth, it's demonic, and the other is of heaven. And we should be walking in that wisdom. What James is saying is the only way you can get rid of bitterness in a church, the only way, the only way, you can't reason it out, you can't argue it out. The only way you can get rid of bitterness in a church and envy and self-seeking and confusion and all the evil in the church is a church has to humble itself down before a holy God and embrace a heavenly wisdom and start walking like God says walk. And when the church does that, something beautiful takes place. Something beautiful. The church becomes glorious. It becomes beautiful. It becomes a light in the midst of darkness. It becomes a refuge for refugees. It becomes a sanctuary of fellowship and brotherhood and camaraderie and oneness in Christ. It becomes a place where righteousness is growing everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, you see righteousness. You know why? Because righteousness grows in the soul of peace. You can't have arguing and fussing and have righteousness. Righteousness grows in the soul of peace. I love the way our, our passage of Scripture ends. It says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who love peace. Friends, you want peace in your home? I mean, you want righteousness in your home? You better make peace. You want righteousness to flourish in the household of faith? Then we better make peace. Because righteousness grows in the soul of peace. The church becomes the sweetest place on the planet. And that's what the church should be. There should be a sweet aroma, sweet presence in the church. That's what James is saying happens when he talks about pure and peaceable and gentle. He's talking about a lovely, sweet, wonderful, glorious place that's not at all like the world. Some uh, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, there was a commercial on television. And I, I'm a commercial guy. I love commercials. I love the ones I love and I love the ones I hate. <laughs> but there was a commercial and it ran in this area for the longest time. I was disappointed when they took it down. But it ran about 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. And during that 20 or 30 seconds, about five times, there was this ugly woman this ugly woman, and she'd lean into the camera, and this is what she'd say. She'd point her finger at you, and she'd say, don't you buy no ugly truck. <laughs> and then they'd say something else, and she'd say, don't you buy no ugly truck. And I tell you, I love that commercial. I don't know why. That may tell you something about me. But anyway, I, 
I love that commercial. Don't you buy no ugly truck. And I remember saying, I'll never buy an ugly truck. <laughs> well, friends, I want to tell you something today. Don't you join a mean-spirited church. Don't you do that. Now, all churches make mistakes. All churches have flaws. We all have feet of clay. We all make mistakes, and we all come up short. But the overall nature of a church, don't you join no mean-spirited church. Why? Because that church is operating on the wrong wisdom. It should be operating on heaven's wisdom. But it's operating on the wrong wisdom. Wisdom. And by the way, for those of us who are already in this church, I was talking to you this then. For those of us who are already here, for those of us who are already in this church, let's make up our mind to be obedient to the Word of God and let's refuse to allow our church to become a mean-spirited church. No, we won't go there. We will not operate on the basis of worldly wisdom. We'll operate on the basis of godly and heavenly wisdom. I want to share with you a personal testimony. About six months ago, something happened to me. I'm not proud of this, but something happened to me in this church, and I was offended. It, uh, it offended me. And, and I, I know what some of you may be thinking, Pastor, how'd you get offended? You're the pastor. What, what happened in our church that offended you? Well, first of all, I'm not going to tell you. So don't think I'm even going there. But I got offended. Happened to me. It can happen to you. By the way, friends, it can happen. And don't you ever underestimate the enemy. I got offended. I got my feelings hurt. I started feel, feeling like I'd been mistreated. And then... Immediately, I started thinking this way. I'm the pastor of this church. I'm the leader of this church. I'm, I'm the pastor. It's not right to be treated this way. It's not right for somebody to disrespect me. I'm the pastor of this church. Now, by the way, you, I'm sure, can see how self-centered and self-absorbed and self-serving that is. And I can see it now, but at the moment I couldn't see it. Have, do you know how blind you are when you get offended? See, I was, I was blind to it. And I'm not exaggerating. I can't even tell you how fast all of this happened. Within minutes, I had, I had dozens of ideas and thoughts that were justifying my offense. Oh, man. I'm right. I'm right. And then I had a flurry of thoughts. I mean, that just started coming into my head about what I should do and what I should say. And man, I got to take a stand. I got to be a strong leader. I got to put people in their place. I've got to say what's right. I got to take a stand. I can't put up with this. But after all, I am the pastor. But, before I did anything, I found a quiet place. And I got before the Lord. I didn't say a word to a soul. I found a quiet place and I got before the Lord. And I started praying. Now let me just stop right here. 
If you don't hear anything else I say today, friends, this will help you. You will not believe how this will help you in the future. The next time something rubs you wrong, and it will, I may have already done it in this message. (laughs) But the next time something rubs you wrong, I don't care how mature you are as a Christian, the next time something rubs you wrong, don't talk to a soul until you've given the Holy Spirit a chance to talk to you. I humbled myself. I began to pray. And friends, i got to tell you, I know that's easy to say, but that was one of the most difficult things that I did. It's one of the most difficult things you will ever do. Do you know when you're offended and your feelings are hurt, the hardest thing in the world is to truly humble yourself before the Lord. And I humbled myself before the Lord. And I began to pray. And it was hard. And I made up my mind I'd pray through until I got a word from God. And you know what my first word from God was? Oh, friends, the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm serious. I I believe I heard these words verbatim. The Holy Spirit said to me, nobody meant to offend you. Nobody meant to hurt you. Your church loves you. This is a lie from the enemy. Are you with me? How many of you are fully aware today that the enemy will tell you lies? That he will fill your head with lies? That you can have thoughts that are not of heavenly wisdom, but they're of earthly wisdom? The Holy Spirit said, these are lies. These are lies that you're being told. By the way, do you remember our study, uh, the Rick Warren study we did, the battle for the mind? Don't believe everything you think. Just because you think something doesn't mean it came from you and it doesn't mean it came from heaven. Sometimes it comes from the enemy. Don't believe everything you think. And the Holy Spirit said, nobody meant to hurt you. Nobody meant to offend you. Nobody meant to insult you. This had nothing to do with anybody else. This is between you and Satan. Oh, friends, I want to tell you, when you're offended, you are an open receptacle for the voice of the enemy. He'll just feed you with thoughts. And the Holy Spirit was revealing to me that what the enemy was trying to do was sow confusion in my own heart, confusion in my own life. He was trying to get me as the pastor of this church to take up an offense. By the way, he'll do that for board members. He'll do that for Bible study teachers. He'll do that for people on stage. He'll do that for people all over this congregation. He'll try to get you to take up an offense and to try to be offended. And the Holy Spirit was revealing this to me. And the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I was beginning to think like the world thinks. I was reacting like the world reacts. I was offended like the world is offended. And I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how I felt at that moment. I felt so embarrassed. I felt so ashamed. I felt so naked before the Lord. Oh, I was so disappointed in myself. How did this happen to me? I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be more mature than this. These things are not supposed to happen to me. And yet I was offended. And I began to repent. And I want to tell you, I took my eyes off everybody else in the world and I said, God, forgive me. Lord, give me the wisdom that comes from you. I'm asking you to forgive me. 
And I'm telling you, it was like the weight of the world lifted off of me. It was like shackles fell from my hands and my feet. The joy of the Lord was restored. And then I started rejoicing. Listen, when you start rejoicing, really allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in that. I started rejoicing because I realized that the enemy had tried to defeat me and to do something terrible in this church through me. And he lost. He got defeated. It didn't work. Now hold on. I haven't told you the most beautiful thing about this whole story. This is the most beautiful part. Because I didn't say anything to anybody, because I went before the Holy Spirit, I didn't talk to a soul. I didn't have to go back and apologize for saying something I shouldn't have said. I didn't text or tweet something or go on Facebook or go on social media and broadcast to the world my backslidden condition and feelings at that time. I didn't do something that would be an insult to the ministry or hurt the church that I love so much. I humble myself before the Lord. By the way, friends, when you're irritated, when you're angry, when you're upset, when something rubs you wrong, I command you in the name of Jesus, get off social media. You're embarrassing the household of faith. You're a disgrace to the kingdom of God when you go online in a backslidden condition. And I can tell you, when you're offended, you are backslidden. Yes. I feel better now that I've said that. Now, the Holy Spirit led me to do this after it was all over with. I came in and sat down with my whole staff and I told them the whole story. They know all about it. They're not going to tell you either. (laughs) I told them that I got offended. I told them that I was immature. I told them that I'd repented and I'd gotten it right with God. And you know what they did? They didn't think less of me. They rejoiced with me that the enemy had been defeated. That's what they did. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share this with them so that they would be able to see my weakness. That they'd be able to pray with me and hold me accountable. Here's what I'm saying to you today, friends. Isn't it time? I'm serious. Isn't it time for all of us who call ourselves Christians For all of us who call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it time for all of us to start walking in heavenly wisdom? To walk like God wants us to walk, to act, to interact with each other, to love each other in such a way that the enemy cannot cause confusion in our ranks. That the enemy cannot cause bitterness in our ranks. The enemy cannot cause uh, dissension In our ranks. Isn't it time we start walking in such heavenly wisdom. That we just don't even take the bait of Satan anymore. He just can't lure us away. Because we're walking with the Lord. Now normally I'd stop my message right there. But I know how the human brain works. Some of you are sitting out there thinking right now, boy, there must be some huge problem going on in the church right now. And the pastor's addressing that problem. You would be wrong. I stand before you today to tell you this is the most loving church I've ever been a part of. 
This is the most mature church I've ever been a part of. This is the most humble and the most giving church I've ever been a part of. I've never been a part of a church that's where this church is. But friends, what I have read to you out of God's Word today is put there for a reason, and I think the best way to use it is preventive maintenance. And I'm asking you today, let's not underestimate the power of the enemy. Let's make up our minds that we'll do what God's Word says, and that we'll start walking in heavenly wisdom, and we'll go to a new place, new heights, a holy place, a place, listen, where our church, I think maybe to some degree it already is, but maybe more so in the future, where our church is characterized by these kinds of words. Pure. Peaceable. Gentle. Without partiality. Without hypocrisy. Full of mercy. Full of good fruits. Those are the things that we should be known by. I, I saved the best to last. Listen now, because it's in our text. That we're a church that's known as a church that's willing to yield. That means you're not willing to fight, you're willing to yield. Now, I'm not talking about standing up for righteousness. I'm talking about the way we treat one another. We're willing to yield. A church that's known because there's good fruit growing everywhere in this church. And, and here's what James says. James says that can happen if you will reject the wisdom of the world and you will embrace the wisdom of God and walk in it. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.